I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 32 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to be talking to Robert Scott Bell about right to try legislation. Well, I have a treat for you guys this week. Over the weekend, I was able to talk to my good friend Robert Scott Bell while he was at a Right to Try conference out in Colorado. Now, Robert is a homeopathic practitioner, and he also has his own radio show six days a week. Uh, A great show, deals with healing and health issues from a holistic standpoint. He also gets into liberty issues and uh, a lot of other great things on the show. I'll link to his show on my show notes page. Robert also uh, gets credit for one of my all-time favorite quotes. Stop asking permission where none is required. Love that quote. So Robert was out in Colorado at a Right to Try conference. And if you're not familiar with Right to Try, basically this is a piece of state legislation that sets the foundation to nullify in practice some FDA rules that deny access to experimental treatments by terminally ill patients. So basically what this legislation does is it allows qualifying patients to access these unapproved experimental drugs and treatments without going through the FDA process. So without further ado, let's get right into our interview with Robert Scott Bell. Robert, welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head. How the heck are you doing? Michael, it's good to be with you reporting live from the Right to Try conference for the 10th Amendment Center. And what a conference it is. The first of its kind held up here in Kuchara, Colorado, the KucharaInn.com. You can check out more information. This might be a, a really a ground zero in a good way for a movement to take what's happened in the states and, and make it even more active for people from around the world who want to come here. Uh, the you know the, the the right to try conference is is pretty profound in that it's building on the momentum now that 24 states and representing well over half of uh, the people of the United States have passed legislation on the state level uh, that engages this concept of a right to try. That is, if you are at an end stage uh, uh, disease scenario and there are no medicines approved by the FDA that. Uh, can treat you, that they acknowledge the doctors say there's nothing left for you, that at that point you have the right to try experimental medicines that have not gone through full phase two, three clinical trials before approval uh, to try in an attempt to save your life. Uh, Now, this has been a motivation because many people have died, uh, in fact, waiting for, if you will, the permission that they've sought out through the federal government. 
And of course, that hasn't worked well for most who have uh, attempted to request such uh, such privileges be granted to them. But if we look at the word right uh, in right to try, we realize we're not working with privileges. We're recognizing that we have to go well beyond that concept of asking for permission. In fact, in this case where it's not required, it should never be required because if, if you own your body, if you have sovereignty over your body, what right does the federal government have to say, no, you can't put this into your body in, a, in an attempt to save your life? I would add a little bit that, you know, I, I would include in right to try the right to try things that are unapproved by government in terms of the natural world as well, uh, that it shouldn't only be focused on drug molecules, although I would stand for anyone's freedom to choose whatever path they want to save their life. Right. Absolutely. I could not agree more with that. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about what's happening there at the conference this weekend, uh, who some of the speakers are and what are they talking about? This weekend, we've had a series of, of in, incredible speakers, some of whom you may know. Uh, we had uh, a terrific uh, talk from Christina Sandifor. She's from the uh, the Goldwater Institute. And uh, as far as the history, talking about how this came to be, as you, you hear, we're, we're actually happening here. We've got some more events, more speakers coming up. And we have uh, some physicians here, medical doctors, in fact, uh, that are talking about the right to try how they have interacted in terms of the state, on the state level, boards of medicine that have pulled their licenses based on interaction with federal uh, uh, groups like the American Medical Association and others. And the fact of the matter is the standard of care that says you cannot try this because it's not the standard of care. Nobody really knows what the definition of the standard of care is, except they know it when they don't see it. In fact, it really just means whatever the insurance industry is willing to cover. So we had Dr. Gaston Corneau-Labat from the Tahoma Clinic uh, in Washington, Seattle area, and he does a lot of great work with cancer uh, through alternative and, and conventional mechanisms, uh, combinations of such. Uh, Carla Kay is here speaking. And uh, you may know of her work uh, was, uh, I believe it's uh, Skunk Farm Research, working with cannabis and uh, the certain extracts. Uh, terrific. We have a man here, Peter Starr, who's not a doctor, but who found a way, he's a documentarian, a filmmaker, found a way to cure his, uh, basically, uh, he was written off as a death sentence for a, pro a form of prostate cancer that he had. He's alive and well 10 plus years later, and his doctors are all dead, <laughs> ironically. Huh? Isn't that funny? Wow. Uh, Dr. Brad Weeks is one of the physicians who lost his license for doing good works, and he's found other ways to continue on. He said, uh, by losing my license, I actually gained my freedom, which is fascinating when you think about that. But, you know, a license is, uh, is asking permission. Uh, permission to what? To be enslaved to those who have no earthly idea how to promote genuine healing. Uh, so we've got a, a quite a diverse array of folks speaking uh, from the legal side to the healing and compassionate side here. Wow, that sounds like a great lineup. So just to set a little better foundation, can you give the listeners a sense of just how much FDA regulations actually interfere with individuals' access to treatment alternatives? The FDA, of course, in terms of regulations, are primary obstacle on the federal level. This is part of the bureaucratic ol oligarchy, the unelected bureaucracy that doesn't change no matter who's in office, Republican or Democrat. And uh, the Fear and Death Administration, as I tend to call them, uh, basically runs as a protectorate of the pharmaceutical industrial complex and the territory that it claims in a monopolistic sort of way. Since the uh, evolution and the start of the Flexner Report in 1910, Abraham and Simon Flexner were uh, basically uh, given money to establish a preordained report that would uh, limit the training or teaching in, in medical schools to 
only pharmaceutical petrochemical patent medicine. And in the 20th century, that descended into a, a monopoly that wiped out all potential competition, including homeopathy, herbalism, eclectic medicines, and things like that. And so we find ourselves 100 years later in the Obamacare realm. And that is, of course, uh, taken freedom completely, completely out of the, the occasion. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think most people have any conception of just how much these federal rules and regulations and uh, bureaucratic interferences limit their choices. It limits all of our choices, and ultimately it limits our freedom. So one of the presentations that I was most interested in was the Friday night open forum that was called Next Steps. One of the big questions we get at the Tenth Amendment Center all the time is, okay, the law is passed in my state, now what? And some opponents want us to believe that passing right to try does nothing. But the open forum suggests that some pretty big thinkers are working on ways to implement this state law. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So what are the next steps? Next steps. Well, I think in the 26 states that haven't got right to try, we've got to continue to move those things forward. And I think we've got to expand the right to try uh, to those that are not dealing with life-threatening illnesses that can't be cured by any known medicine. That is the right to care for yourself at any point in time of your life. And, and, you know, to think that we have to wait to be on death's door to say suddenly now we have permission, now we have the right that becomes activated to, to, to uh, you know, change the course of our lives. See, for me, my, you know, the uh, 24-year-old kid that I was that was chronically ill from zero to 24, I wasn't on death's door yet. I could see that 24 years later I might be if I didn't make a change. And uh, I found uh, natural medicines, detoxification techniques, et cetera, not approved by FDA for the most part, changed and transformed my life for the better. And here I am 24, 25 years later. And or 26 years later now, oh boy, time is flying. And so I think the expansion of the right to try concept needs to be the right to try at any point in your life because it is your life. And if it is not, then whose is it? If it's not yours, then who is your master? And how did you enter into that master slave relationship? Because uh, I do not believe it is, uh, uh, you know, a sovereign way to live in terms of having to ask permission to care for your body or the body of your family members, particularly your children. So right to try, it's not the, it's not the panacea. It's a good step. It's probably more of a consciousness shift or consciousness raising thing to do. And uh, we'll continue pushing forward with it here on the Robert Scott Bell Show as well as uh, supporting the work, uh, the wonderful works at the 10th Amendment Center. Remember, don't ask for permission where none is required. And when it comes to your health and your healing and your right to save your life at any point in your life, no permission is ever required. Well, amen to that, Robert. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, we'll put links to your show on my show notes page, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We are another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please make sure that you head over to iTunes and subscribe. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas over at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.